and welcome to episode 190 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And to kick things off this week, I would like to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Jesse Sebo, Katie Cherry, Devin, Michelle Egan, Melanie Smith, Luscious Miss Lulu, Louise Harvey, Joe Seaman, Denise Knapp, Catherine Cambron, Gina, Rochelle, Vanessa from the Hauntedly podcast, Gunderson Logistics, Levi Gifford, and Tree Kimber. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. I love you and appreciate you every single day. And our film review this week, our film review is Megan. Megan was released in 2022. It is 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb and 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. A robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. I mean, it's a tale as old as time really, isn't it? Robot is made and robot develops its own intelligence. Robot kills people. It's it's a pretty foolproof combination of elements, but it's been done to death. And you know what? I'm sorry to say it. Megan doesn't do anything any different. But let's go down. Let's go likes and dislikes. Let's be fair. Likes first. It was entertaining. Like there was moments in it where I laughed. There were moments in it where I wondered, well, actually, I never wondered what was going to happen next. I think what was going to happen next was eternally obvious from the very, very beginning of the film. Um, Yeah, it was it was fine. It was entertaining enough. The acting was generally good and believable. I think, as I always say, a good child actor can really make a horror film and a bad child actor can really break a horror film. And in this instance, it was good acting all around. And it was strong acting all around. So that was a positive. It was genuinely funny at times, you know, and I felt like as a film, as a concept, I'd like to think that it was satire. I'd like to think that they were trying to be a bit ridiculous and just leaned into its own ridiculousness. And I appreciated that. Like there were moments where I where I laughed a bit when I was watching it. There were moments where I thought, OK, that's clever. That's good. That's funny. That's that's just silly, ridiculous and I'm enjoying the fact that it's silly and ridiculous. There was something about this film which I had not expected. And um, I don't really know. I don't really know how to describe it, to be honest. There is, of course, the dancing, which you see in the trailer of this film, which was much clipped and shared around the Internet. And it is as ridiculous as it might seem in the trailer. There does it, It's nonsensical. There, there's no reason for her to be dancing at that particular time. There is no reason for her to be dancing really at all. So that was bizarre. And I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. It felt a bit like, you know, sort of dance mom's gone wrong. And there are frequent moments as well in this film where um, Megan, the the robot, sings. And I, I had not realised that that happened. It happens frequently. And it is incredibly bizarre. And I wrote it down as a like because I didn't know what was... I didn't know if I liked or hated it. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Like, it was so strange. I did. I just didn't know what was going on. I kind of wondered, is this what they want from us? Is this what the filmmakers wanted? Did they want us to be simultaneously bemused and shocked and horrified all at the same time? Or was it misguided? Is Was it meant to be really funny? And it just wasn't particularly funny. It just was so strange. I didn't know what to make of it at all. 
One of the things I think that is good about this movie, which annoys some people, I read the reviews where people were like, I wanted it to be really bloody and gory. I wanted to have blood and murder and guts and inside spilling everywhere all over the screen. Actually, you don't really get any of that because they wanted to keep it PG-13. This would be a film that would be appropriate to watch if you had teenage kids that you wanted to watch a horror movie with. It's it's funny. It's ridiculous. You could have a really good time, I think, watching this with some teenagers in your life. I think there's some very mild swearing and obviously there is a lot of death, just not particularly shown on screen. Which brings me to the dislikes. I just... I just hadn't considered how ridiculous this film was actually going to be. And... I don't mind having to to suspend my disbelief when I'm watching horror films. I say that all the time. You're watching a horror film, of course. Don't don't judge it by normal parameters. But sometimes in a horror film, there are points when you think, hang on, we're going to have to rein that in there a second. Like, for example, why would any robotics engineer create a robot, a, a robot toy for children that had superhuman strength? I don't, I don't know why you would do that. I don't know what, what you think the end goal of that is going to be. Also, the main character, the robotics engineer, she's a knob. Like, she's not she's not likeable. I was like, you're a dickhead. All right, you, you walked this child into all of this. And actually, there is a little part of me that feels like you deserve to get the shit kicked out of you by a small robot for just being annoying the whole way through this film and having no regard for other human beings. Yeah, so just don't don't think about it too deeply. And uh, if you're watching it, just you just have to go into it completely suspending your disbelief. There are lots of holes in the logic of this movie. And as you guys know, when it comes to watching horror films, logic isn't really my forte. I don't I'm not never really concerned about logic. Here's the big question, though. Was it worth spending £15.99 to watch an inexplicably strong humanoid child robot badly sing Sia no it wasn't I get that it's meant to be a satire I get that it's meant to be a bit ridiculous and lean into its own ridiculousness I thought it just would be cleverer to be honest I wasn't really impressed with it I would not waste my money again had I known how much I was going to think it was pretty shitty I think it's a film that you could watch maybe having a few drinks with friends or watch with some teenagers that are in your life whatever it is Would I recommend sitting down to watch it as a serious movie? Absolutely not. I can only give it two stars. I'm sorry. It was too predictable. I didn't really particularly like the characters. I knew what was going to happen. There wasn't really anything novel. They tried to make some sort of commentary on screen time and parenting and AI at various points in the film, which which sort of, to me, fell kind of flat. And I just don't know if I found the robot inexplicably dancing and singing as cute and quirky and funny and sort of uncanny valley as everybody else seemed to I just I just didn't get it I didn't get it it's two stars from me two stars which brings us to our story this week and I was not expecting to find as much material as I did on this topic this week you'll have seen by the title of this episode that we're going to be covering the Native American legend of Thunderbirds and actually initially I was going to do Thunderbirds and another mythical creature in the same episode 
But Thunderbirds, I could, we could talk about Thunderbirds forever. We could go through people's experiences of Thunderbirds from now until the end of time. So we're just going to focus on Thunderbirds today, have a good conversation about them, listen to some stories. So let's get into it. All over the world, people see strange things every single day. Whether they are human, natural or indeed supernatural, people see oddities all the time. And there is no oddity that I love more than a cryptid. And there are no stories that I love more than ancient folklore. Be it big or small, I love a legend. And I love it when a legend dips its toe into the world of the scientific. Even if the dipping is tenuous at best. In October 2020, the Smithsonian Magazine ran an article about a giant prehistoric bird. And it read... Imagine an albatross with a hacksaw for a mouth set that strange creature about 50 million years in the past and you've got the image of a pelagornithid, a group of ancient avians that included some of the largest flying birds of all time. And now paleontologists have uncovered in that group what may be the largest known flying birds ever with wingspans of roughly 20 feet. So, giant birds existed. As, of course, did flying reptiles like the pterosaurs. But without getting into the semantics of aerial biology, the fact remains that big things flew in the sky. But do they still? There is so much land in the world that is uninhabited by humans or that is only accessible with great difficulty. There are literally thousands of new species described every year. This could be either a completely new species or it could be a further description of a known species after further studies. Often these species are small, but sometimes they aren't. Is it possible that ancient and giant winged creatures still dominate the skies? And is it possible that these creatures may account for the legends of the Thunderbirds? The Thunderbird is a Native American legend, and as with many legends and lore, there are multiple variations of the particulars of the story. The Thunderbird is affiliated to many different tribes under many different names, and it is considered by most to be a nature spirit that takes its form as a giant bird. However, there are also tribes who believe that the Thunderbird is simply a large and powerful bird that is just a part of nature. Stories of the Thunderbirds are particularly prevalent among tribes of the Midwest, the Plains and the Northwest Coast. The enormous bird symbolises power and strength and has the power to protect human beings from evil spirits. The Thunderbird is so called because the sheer power of its huge flapping wings sounds like the clapping of thunder and lightning could shoot out of its eyes and its beak. Thunderbirds bring rain and storms and that immense power is seen as a double-edged sword. Sometimes, the Thunderbird, when bringing rain, it would quench the land and allow the crops to grow. It would feed the rivers and streams and the people would rejoice. Other times, the Thunderbird would bring rain that raged with a supernatural power, wind that howled and tore down trees, floods would sweep through the land and fires would spark to life when the lightning would strike. 
The sheer size of the Thunderbird could barely be comprehended. Some legends spoke of the bird being so expansive that it could pick up a whale in its talons, and they made their homes in the clouds high above the tallest mountains. Sometimes the Thunderbird was black as the night, silent, sleek and swift, and other legends told of a creature that was bright and beautiful with colourful feathers. According to Kathy Alexander, for the website Legends of America, and I quote, In Gros Fantre traditions, it was the Thunderbird who gave the sacred pipe to the people. Some Plains tribes, including the Arapaho, associated Thunderbirds with the summer season, while the White Owl represented the winter season. In Algonquin mythology, the Thunderbird controls the upper world. In contrast, the underworld is controlled by the underwater panther or great horned serpent, from which the Thunderbird protects humans by throwing lightning at it. According to their legends, the Thunderbirds were ancestors of the human race and helped to create the universe. The Menominee of Wisconsin tells of a great mountain that floats in the western sky, upon which the Thunderbirds live. From there, they control the rain. They are the enemies of the great horned snakes which they fight to prevent them from overrunning the earth and devouring mankind. They are said to be the messengers of the great sun himself and delight in deeds of greatness. The Ojibwe version is similar in that the Thunderbirds fight underwater spirits. Their traditions also say the Thunderbird is responsible for punishing humans who break moral rules. They said that the bird was created by a high spirit and that the birds lived in the four directions and migrated to Ojibwe lands during the spring with other birds. They stayed until the fall when the most dangerous season for the underwater spirits had passed when they migrated south with the other birds. The Winnebago says that a man with a vision of a thunderbird during a solitary fast will become a war chief. They also believe that the Thunderbird has the power to grant people extraordinary abilities. The Thunderbird of the Sioux people was a noble creature that protected humans from dangerous reptilian monsters. Some believed they were shapeshifters who often changed their appearance to interact with people. To the Shawnee tribe they appeared as boys and could be identified by their tendency to speak backwards. Many legends reference the anger of the Thunderbirds as something fearsome to behold, which could result in harsh punishments. In one story, an entire village was turned to stone for their wrongdoings. Some say that the mythology began with the ancient mound builders. Throughout history, the Thunderbird symbol has appeared on totem poles, pottery, petroglyphs, masks, jewellery and carvings. The legends have been told through songs and oral histories. As you can see, the stories of the Thunderbird are rich, varied, heroic and beautiful. And while there are elements that are intertwined with storytelling and fantasy, stories of huge birds exist in mythology all over the world. And as we have already established, huge birds definitely did exist in history. There is also the fact that people, both within the Native American community and outside of the Native American community, still report seeing Thunderbirds to this day. So if the Thunderbird is just a myth, a story to explain thunderstorms or explore feats of nature, then what exactly are these people seeing? 
Lawndale, Illinois was hot and sticky on the evening of the 25th of July 1977. The sun was setting over the Midwest as Ruth Lowe listened to the sounds of her children playing outside in the dying light of the day. They had eaten outside again with guests that evening in a vague attempt to trick themselves into believing that it would somehow be cooler outside. It wasn't. And Ruth sweltered as she gathered up cups and cutlery from the wooden outdoor table. She pottered in and out, the heat hampering her speed as she stacked up the delf in the kitchen. She heard a commotion coming from the back garden. She sighed and made her way to the back porch, not particularly concerned about what scrapes the children had gotten into this time. But as soon as she stepped onto the porch, the hair on her arms stood on end. She could not fathom what she was seeing. Her brain simply couldn't catch up with what her eyes were telling her. Two enormous birds were hovering over her backyard, their huge wings barely flapping. They were a few feet above and they were bigger than any flying creature she had ever seen. She stood frozen on the back porch, her mouth open in amazement. And then, suddenly, she realised what was happening. Her children were below the birds. The birds were circling the children. No, 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 this wasn't possible. Without even a second thought, Ruth broke into a run towards the children just as her 10-year-old, 70-pound son Marlon was lifted into the air by one of the birds. She ran, screaming as her child screamed and kicked in the talons of this huge creature. By this point, he was at least two feet off the ground, and the huge bird's wings flapped heavily as it tried to balance the weight of the squirming child before it took off into the air. The bird evidently decided that the struggle wasn't worth it and dropped the squirming boy into a crumpled heap onto the ground, just as Ruth reached him. She collapsed into a heap over her child, panting and crying and watching as the two giant birds flew off in the direction of Kickapoo Creek. When Ruth Lowe reported the incident to the police, she was dismissed as being delusional or a prankster. But she actually wasn't the only person to see the incident, and to see these giant birds. James D. Daniels and his wife were visiting the house that night during dinner and had walked out onto the porch to witness Ruth tearing across the garden and young Marlon being lifted into the air. Ruth Lowe went to the newspapers and because of the number of witnesses, the police began to take the report seriously. The police released a statement describing the bird that read, It had a white ring around its half-foot-long neck. The rest of the body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws on the feet were arranged with three front and one in the back. Each wing less the body was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body from beak to tail feather was approximately four and one half feet. And part of the reason why the police had to sit up and pay attention was because the attempted snatching of Marilyn Lowe was not the only reported sighting in the area in the days before and after. On July 28th, a woman driving near Armington glimpsed a huge bird at around 5.30 in the evening. She estimated that the bird was larger than the hood of her car and it had a ring of white around its neck. Just two and a half hours later, 
at the Stanley Thompson Farm near Colville in McLean County, six people who were flying model airplanes witnessed an enormous bird attempting to land on a barn. They were so shocked by the sight that they began to shout, and the bird did not land and instead circled them before flying off into the distance. They estimated that its wingspan was at least 10 feet and its body was at least six feet long. Its wings, they said, had white tips. The following morning, mailman James Majors watched two large birds in the sky. They seemed to be a mated pair and seemed to be hunting together. One of the birds descended into a pig farm with its claws extended and emerged with a pig in its talons and sailed off into the sky with its companion. He estimated their wingspan to be at least eight feet and said that they looked like condors but were much, much larger. He stated that he could physically hear the sound of the force of their wings flapping and that it sounded like a jet taking off. And on the 11th of August, the bird appeared on a farm in the south of Odin in Illinois. At 7am, John and Wanda Chapel studied the bird for around five minutes after it landed on a tree outside of their house. According to Mrs. Chapel, it looked like a prehistoric bird. It was really fantastic. The head didn't have any feathers and it had a long neck, crooked, kind of S-shaped. The body was covered with feathers. We couldn't tell much about the feet, but it had long legs. She and her husband estimated that its wingspan was 12 to 14 feet and it was at least four feet high. Eventually, authorities stated that these sightings were a turkey buzzard, but the witnesses many of whom had lived in Illinois all their lives and were familiar with the birds of the area, were adamant that what they had seen was much, much bigger, and they had never seen it before. There are numerous reports of Thunderbirds throughout the ages, stories taken from old newspapers of livestock being snatched by giant eagles or children being grabbed by the material of their clothing and whooshed off into the sky. There are anecdotal stories of hunters who saw strange and mystical birds that they had never seen before and even claims that some of these people had shot and displayed these huge mythological creatures. Although no evidence of this exists now, of course. In 1738, a tribe of Native Americans fought against a group of Spanish invaders. The invaders had repeatedly tried to steal land and resources from the native people, resulting in a bloody battle. Many were killed and when the fighting was raging, two Spanish men had hidden high in a hill and after the fighting was over, they watched as the bodies of the fallen were taken to lay to rest in a cave. On the mouth of the cave, there was a huge carving of a thunderbird. The two hidden Spaniards fled and in the 1980s, a treasure hunter is alleged to have stumbled upon this very cave, complete with thunderbird petroglyph. He entered the cave in order to search for silver and unearthed a huge feather that was 18 inches in length. The feather was taken to scientists who could not establish what bird the feather had been taken from. But, as I said in the beginning of this episode, the Thunderbird is sighted to this day. South Greensburg, Pennsylvania is a modern hotspot for Thunderbird sightings and for the people of this small town, these sightings of a giant bird are commonplace and widely accepted. Whether it is a supernatural nature spirit or a case of mistaken identity is another question, 
but the belief is that the people of the town are seeing something. A Shiver documentary on YouTube covers these sightings extensively. I'm Joe Mayer from South Greensburg. I'm a stonemason. It was just about dark. The sky still had light in it, but it was real close to turning dark, late dusk. And uh, it just came out of nowhere. I mean, it made no noise except the swish of the wings I heard. And that was when I looked up, it was just like this. I mean, it just never looked at us or anything. It just was on a mission, I guess, heading somewhere to feed. We were out here. My wife, Ryan, and our neighbor were sitting right there. I was over to fire here, flipping the ribs. And I heard a flapping behind me. It sounded like a whoosh sound of a wing. And I turned around and looked, and up in the sky behind me was a huge bird. It was right there. It was right there. I watched this wing. I heard the wing coming down as I turned around, and it went straight down that road right where the ditches in the tree up there is. It probably cleared that tree uh, 20 feet. Its second wing flap was about where that telephone pole was. The next one was about halfway down that road, and then it was gone. It was that fast. It was like 10 seconds, maybe 12 seconds, and it was gone. What was that? I don't know. And I jumped in on the internet after that, and we were looking up birds, and we seen nothing that looked like it. Yeah, nothing. Closest thing to that was in, in color-wise, was like like a golden eagle, which is a darker brown. But it was I've seen eagles. That was an eagle. In October 2002, in a village in Alaska, people began seeing a giant bird, and it was further verified when a pilot and passengers also witnessed the same bird. And the pilot was quoted as saying, "I don't know what it was, but I would not let my children play outside with that thing around." And the Darkness Prevails YouTube channel has an incredible episode that is all about real Thunderbird sightings. And this is one of the stories which was posted on their forum on the 30th of April 2019. According to my brother, I am not the best at telling stories. So you'll have to bear with me. I'm 21 years old, but I was 13 when this happened. I live on a ranch in Nevada with my parents and my grandparents and my brother. He's three years younger than me, and for privacy reasons, I will name him Tim. We are Native American of the Shoshan tribe, and my family has owned this ranch for decades. My parents and my brother and I are Christian, but my grandparents still hold to their older traditions. This shows the obvious counter-information that I get from my parents versus my grandparents about the world and such. I remember this particular event all happened in the summer because it was so darn hot and it was during the monsoon season. My little brother and I love going on walks at night out in the desert. The stars are amazing. If you ever get a chance to really get away from the city and all the light pollution, I highly recommend going out at night when there's no overcast and just looking up. I promise you, you'll be transfixed to the sky. This particular night, though, sadly, was cloudy. There was obviously a storm coming, but my little brother and I still wanted to go on a walk. It could get a little boring in the house. This was before we had a TV, 
and we were hooked up to the rest of the world. After some convincing, my mother said it was fine to go out, but we had to be back if it started to rain. Of course, Mom, I'm not planning on getting soaked. As we were heading out, my grandmother chimed in, Make sure you don't go too far, or else an evil spirit might take you. Obviously trying to scare us, but she always had a hint of seriousness in her warnings. To this, my mother yelled back not to worry about it, saying something about how demons won't bother you because you've got God on your side. Encouraging for sure, but we were still kind of jumpy going out. So off we went, out into the night. My brother and I walked out to our favourite spot, with our favourite rocks and favourite dead tree. We must have been walking for a solid half an hour. To us at the time, it felt like nothing. But doing the walk again today, I wondered how at all we could have done it and not felt winded. It hadn't started raining yet, but the air was heavy and moist. You know how it feels right before a big thunderstorm. We sat down at our tree and were sitting for a few minutes before we heard a loud whooshing sound, like a big wind was blowing through in bursts. This didn't concern us because we figured it was the storm, but we decided to head back. It must have started to rain because we started to run home. I don't remember being scared just yet. A minute or so into running and my little brother tripped on a rock and fell down. Of course, he started crying, so I turned around to go and help him. As I did, though, I looked up behind him, maybe to try and see lightning, but all I saw was a massive black shape against the dark, moonless sky. I was confused. That was a weird-looking cloud. But as I got closer to my brother, I saw that this shape was getting closer too. Fast. I yelled to my brother to duck. Through sobs and screams, my brother decided to listen to me for once in his life, and he did duck down. The massive shape shot down and flew overhead, just a few feet from my brother. I ducked down too, and I could feel the wind off this thing as it zoomed past. I scrambled to my brother and tried to get him up, but he was crying that his ankle was broken and he couldn't move. There were a few large rocks nearby, so I thought that whatever this thing was wouldn't be able to reach between them, or at least I had hoped. My brother and I crawled towards the rocks, but I could see the black mass turning around in the sky. It's coming back, my brother yelled. And whatever was in my head seemed to just switch into fight or flight mode. I wasn't a very strong kid when I was 13. Sure, I had the stamina to walk for hours during the day, but that was with many breaks. Maybe it was the adrenaline or maybe I was stronger than I thought I was, but I lifted my brother off the ground and ran with him to those rocks. He was screaming. I was probably screaming, but we went silent when we heard another massive whoosh past the rocks. And then there was definitely a booming noise. It sounded like thunder mixed with a screaming woman or possibly a horse's whinny. We grabbed our ears and my brother started crying and screaming again. I was looking for any sign of people or something that could help, through the rain and the tears. And then I saw the light from the ranch. I didn't realise how far we had actually ran. I was so relieved, but it wasn't over yet. I somehow convinced my brother that he had to run with me to the house, that we were so close and there was only a little more to go. He screamed and cried the whole way, but he agreed that we had to get home. We could get Dad out with a shotgun, so we ran. I tried to stay behind my brother so that he wouldn't stray. Another screaming boom came from behind us and echoed all around us. We were getting so close when I heard the whooshing right behind us. 
I didn't dare turn around, but my brother did, and he screamed so loud that my grandmother heard it. She opened the door just as we both got to it and we burst inside. What's the matter with you two? she asked. But she trailed off as she saw the black shape swoop close to the porch roof and over the house. She slammed the door and turned to us. What did I tell you about evil spirits? Our only response was more crying. My mom and dad rushed out of the kitchen yelling and wondering what all the crying was about and why we didn't come home sooner and why did grandma slam the door? I warned you, didn't I? Grandma said. Evil spirits are out there. My brother and I tried to agree with her, but my parents brushed it off as just us being scared of the storm and the thunder. What they didn't brush off, though, was my brother's ankle. It turned out he had just sprained it, but they scolded me for not being more careful. Of course they blamed me when they were the ones that let us out in the first place, but whatever. I'm just glad he wasn't taken by that thing. As we were going to bed after getting cleaned up, my grandmother came into our room. With a little bit more scolding from her and a lot of kisses, she explained to us that what attacked us was a thunderbird. She said that they ride on storms and are big enough to carry a child away. She told us never to go out at night or during a storm again, like we needed to hear that. No, we were never planning on anything like that for a long time. Eight years later now, and my brother and I still like to tell this story to our friends, though his version is much more thrilling. He's just good at making things seem more adventurous than they are. But this event was more than enough adventure for me. We've both gotten over our fear of storms, but I can still see him jump a little every time we hear that boom of thunder. So before we deep dive into theories and thoughts about Thunderbirds, check out Darkness Prevails, the YouTube channel, who have a brilliantly narrated first-person encounters YouTube channel, which is all about ghost stories, which is where I got the final story from today. I took it from their forum. So they have a forum, I think, where people submit their stories and then the stories are chosen and read out on the on the YouTube channel, I think. And that story came from April 2019, but they have a great episode on Thunderbirds on their channel, which is so worth checking out. And it covers that story, among other stories. And I'll leave the link to all of the YouTube videos, sources. There is a book as well called Unexplained that I used to source stories for this particular episode. So all of those sources will be in the description of this episode. There are, in general, so many Thunderbird stories. So, like I said in the beginning, when I started this episode, it was originally going to be a two-part episode, as in there was going to be half the episode was going to be on Thunderbirds, and the other half was going to be on another Native American legend. And when I started diving into the Thunderbird legends, I mean, there are just so many. There are so many. And that last story that I took from the YouTube channel, Darkness Prevails, I love it. It's got, I'd imagine, some poetic license in there. Even if you feel like, well, that story is definitely made up or if you feel like any of the stories that I've talked about on today's episode are made up, I honestly implore you to go and read the comments of any of those YouTube videos because people are seeing big birds everywhere and not and not the big yellow kind, you know, just also as an aside, my brother was completely traumatized by big bird <laughs> when he was a child. Absolutely terrified of him. Honestly, reading those comments, though, there are. Just so many people in the comments being like, yeah, I, I saw a giant bird once. Or I saw this huge thing in the sky and I don't quite know what it was. 
So there are tons of stories about these thunderbirds, these giant birds that don't seem to fit into any known species. So obviously I'm referring to them as thunderbirds, which is, you know, mixing up the kind of Native American legends and lore and these modern sightings of huge birds. I feel like people kind of use the term thunderbird interchangeably so sometimes they're referring to the myth and the legend and the lore of this bird who like shot lightning out of his beak etc etc and could carry a whale out into the sea and also just general sightings of huge unknown birds there was like a story that I read from Norway about these this little girl who was taken off by this giant bird and that her family had to go and rescue her which was a really controversial story at the time and some people believed it and some people didn't there are tons of stories from the 1800s and the 1900s all about people who came face to face with these thunderbirds and didn't know what they had seen didn't know what they were there was a story that i referenced briefly in this episode about the explorer or the the treasure hunter finding the big feather in the cave i'm just going to put it out there that i'm not entirely sure how how reliable that story is just just to be really clear. And I also want to reference the Tombstone Arizona Thunderbird. While while we're here, we're talking about things that potentially never happened. Um, so there is that really famous story. And I remember reading about it when I was a kid. And Pete, you've probably seen mock-up versions of the picture. So the story goes that a couple of cowboys were out in the desert in Arizona. They shot this Thunderbird they brought it back to the town and people took loads of pictures with it. It was like a big pterosaur, basically. And it, it was, you know, written about in the newspaper at the time. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any evidence to back this up. So it's a really widely circulated story that it was written about in the newspaper and that there was this picture and the picture mysteriously went missing. Nobody knows where the picture is, but loads of people claim to have seen the picture and loads of people claim to have seen the article. And there are mock-ups of this picture and mock-ups of this article. But historians have searched through the tombstone archives and found no evidence of this article having ever existed in the first place. So the Tombstone Arizona story, I'm not entirely sure. I just did, I felt like it was worth mentioning because it's one that comes up all the time. But I didn't include it in the actual story. However, what I did find out along the way is that in 1970, a man allegedly named Harry McClure claimed that he knew the cowboys when he was a small boy. So apparently, as this cowboy told this little boy, there was a creature and it had a wingspan of 20 to 30 feet. They didn't kill it and they returned to town only with their story. So according to this grown man who heard this story from a cowboy when he was a little boy, that out in the desert they had shot some sort of pterosaur, they didn't manage to kill it, and they had returned home with this story of this huge winged creature that they had come across in the desert. Now, does this sound like the type of story that a cowboy might tell a small child to freak him out? Maybe. But it seems like the whole town got involved with this story, and I wonder if this is one of those stories where... It was so powerful by word of mouth that then suddenly people were going, yeah, and, there, and I heard there was a newspaper article all about it and there was a picture of it and they brought the body back and then actually the story, the most interesting version of the story takes hold. And in terms of theories as to what these actual sightings are, like what is happening, 
lots of kind of relatively reputable websites discuss this like uh, ancient mysteries I think it's called or historical mysteries maybe is a website that references it and they talked about how lots of Native American tribes and cultures for hundreds and hundreds of years for generations would sort of venerate real animals like bears and cougars for example and I while I understand that argument and you know it is obviously like it's important to note that doesn't necessarily mean that every single thing that Native American people had a cultural respect for was a flesh and blood being although I I understand the logic behind it and I really enjoyed in the Shivers documentary on YouTube which again the link is in the description uh, they had a person on a Native American man who was talking about what Thunderbirds meant in his Native American culture and he basically just said look people are seeing things People are seeing this big bird and it matches up to what, you know, my people would have talked about many, many years ago and still talk about to this day. He was like, is it a deity or is it an actual big bird? It doesn't really matter. He was so incredibly matter of fact about it, about all these sightings that people were having. He was just like, yeah, fine. Like if that's what people are seeing, that's what people are seeing. It's no biggie. And I guess there's like an importance in recognising that, that for Native American people, the Thunderbird is very real because it's part of their mythology and lore. So in that case, it is a very real thing, you know. It may not necessarily be a flesh and blood creature, but it may be that it is a very important creature in terms of storms, season changing, understanding weather events, whatever it is, storytelling even. But scientifically and biologically, apparently, according to biology and biologists listening, I could be completely wrong, But I have my lab coat on, so I'm clearly right. Apparently, if you're going to have a giant bird, it probably would live high up in the mountains. And when you break down the stories, you have this huge secretive bird. Doesn't want to be seen. Generally knocks about up in the mountains. Doesn't really attack unless you're in its space. And only appears when the weather is not good. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. And there is also the obvious fact that a lot of these stories describe birds that are similar to birds that exist like condors or giant eagles or whatever else people use as their reference point because I think that's kind of part of the problem with these stories is that people always use another bird as a reference point so it's very easy therefore to go oh you just you just saw a big condor or you just saw a big bald eagle or whatever it was a big golden eagle so in Ruth Lowe's story for example the description of the bird actually kind of matches the description of the Andean condor which is only found high in the Andes of South America and is apparently not that big and definitely not big enough to even attempt to carry away a child and also not very likely to be in Illinois. And I do think the stories where there are physical interactions with the bird are much more difficult to comprehend or get your head around. And in the Shivers documentary as well, they very, you know, they very pointedly talk about the fact that the vast majority of these Thunderbird sightings are completely mistaken identity. And often it's perspective. People really do believe they've seen this giant bird, but it's perspective or when they look into it, it's actually just misidentification. It was a different type of bird, but it was not as big as people thought it was. And even in that documentary, the man who is the kind of local paranormal expert in Pennsylvania for example who collects all these stories he was like yeah most of them are not 
they're not really a mystery in any way. They just are, you know, mistaken identity, which is fine. These people still believe that they're seeing something bigger. They're not trying to lie or dupe anybody. It's just a case of mistaken identity and that happens. However, there are some cases where actually it is a bit less linear. Do I kind of want this to be real? Yeah, a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm such a cryptid gal. Like, I love the idea of giant creatures that we just haven't discovered yet. Give me a Loch Ness. Give me Bigfoot. Give me Thunderbirds. I I kind of want them to be real. Let me know your opinion on Thunderbirds. Also, check out Darkness Prevails YouTube channel. They have brilliantly narrated first-person encounters, which is where I got the final story from today. And also check out all the other links in the description for this episode for other YouTube videos, articles, etc. All about Thunderbirds. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It ended up being way more expansive than I thought it would be. There are so many great Thunderbird stories out there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And remember, if you want to email in your own spooky encounter, you can send it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories. where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 